Welcome to Manners and Madness, a Jane Austen and David Lynch podcast. My name is Maya Adkins. And I'm Christian Cabrera. And today we are diving into The Elephant Man. This will be part one of our two-part series on it. Yeah, we're doing a two-parter again. It's been a while. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, this movie definitely deserves two-parter, though. Yeah, it's one of, like, David Lynch's quintessential movies, really. It's the second movie Mm -hmm. he ever did after Eraserhead. Wow. I didn't know that. Yeah, it was. I I uh I had seen it. <laughs> I think uh-huh. when I was a teenager, like probably after mm. Twin Peaks, but I'm sh- pretty sure I didn't realize that it was the same director as Twin Peaks. Mm. I don't even know if wow. I knew David Lynch. I mean, I might have just. You, you know. didn't know like Twin Peaks was like a David Lynch project. You were like, right. I just like Twin Peaks. Exactly. <laughs> right. That's so funny though. Yeah, but I don't really remember it. Although watching it, I felt like, yeah, this definitely feels like I watched this <laughs> and enjoyed it, you know, in my teenage years. Mm-hmm. One time. Oh, so it's sort of kind of fresh. Yeah, it was It was definitely fresh. I mean, I knew that it was going to be a sad story. Mm-hmm. But I, and I knew because I had the Criterion Collection and I have the little booklet. And I was reading the, and the back of the booklet is a letter from Francis Cullingar, Cargar, whatever his name is, the guy who plays, who John Gilgood plays. And uh-huh. he had, he had written, I think it's even in the movie. There's like a letter he, he wrote to the times to be like, mm-hmm. Hey, can anyone help this guy? <laughs> right. And that letter was making me a tear up. And I was like, Oh my God, I'm going to cry like a baby dress. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> well it's just one of those movies where it's just so you're like presented with this really tragic figure that clearly has like had like the worst life because everyone has treated them terribly i mean victorian london was harsh at the best of times <laughs> Egg, yeah exactly i was like because even looking around i was like i feel bad for all these people because <laughs> they seem to all be very poor and suffering in some way so clearly it's like one of those where it's like the world is against this one person for very trivial reasons and you have to follow this person on their journey it's sad yeah yeah so i guess as far as first impressions this watch i'll say besides Mm -hmm. you know making me cry a lot it made me just despair for humanity (laughs) (laughs) but also find hope you know i don't know there was a lot going on and my eyes were very puffy at the end (laughs) and i said well that was a fantastic movie i will never watch it again because i i don't like being i don't like weeping (laughs) right yeah it's it's one of those where it's like you really are only crying because it's just like the tragedy of it all yeah which is heavy. Yeah. It, at a certain point, you kind of like start crying because, oh, look, everything's happy. And now I'm crying from happiness. But then it kind of goes back to horrible. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't get a break. Uh, uh, but what about you? I assume this is your first time watching it. Yeah, yeah. I feel like I've heard about this movie, but I don't know where I heard about it. But it is my first time watching it. And I, I really liked it. But it is one of those where it's like very sad and those aren't always my favorite types of movies because I have a weird relationship with being sad and not crying ever. But (laughs) Uh, mine's the opposite. I just can't stop myself. (laughs) (laughs) But also I was like, this movie got me thinking like there is like this trope obviously of like this poor person who is like shunned from society for some reason but there's this one angelic person who will save them but then it's like you know there are some very complicated feelings about that in this movie specifically yeah with dr frederick because i mean he does get told by the i guess the carney owner i don't know who that guy was but who was like you're no different than me because you're just right. trying to make a name for yourself and show him off as your as you fixed totally. him or something and so it's like it just like kind of lets you it's not giving you this like plain story it's kind of giving you this very complicated yeah uh, where it's like this poor person yeah and it's really not afraid to like get into because i there's one point i don't know if it's in the first or second half but there was definitely a point where i was like i still feel weird about this and then Mm -hmm. the next second the next scene was like 
addressing exactly what I was thinking. And I was like, wow, it really explores all the nuances, you know. Mm-hmm. And, oh, anyway, I'm excited <laughs> to talk about it. <laughs> Me too. He wasn't afraid to go there, we'll say. <laughs> and no. I also, I think I wrote it some version of this in my notes, but I was like, it got me thinking like, God, Victorian England was so terrible for everyone. And sometimes even the rich people. And then (laughs) I was like, the colonialization by the British, is that why everything is terrible (laughs) all the time? (laughs) I think it's the industrial revolution, especially just, I mean. It catapulted everything. Yeah. I don't know about, I mean, we've done a lot of obviously exploration of, British culture pre-revolutionary war but or not revolutionary war (laughs) um (laughs) revolution or Victorian Mm -hmm. era even right but we haven't really but this is like Charles Dickens time and Mm -hmm. you know I don't know David Lynch is like this is his exact favorite type of Mm -hmm. thing to film like industry black and white and like he might have maybe for um uh, uh um what do you call it <laughs> what's the word for drama's sake i don't know uh-huh. you know just enhance the feelings of mm-hmm. things that oh, maybe definitely. wasn't as it wasn't you know, as like pervasive back then yeah as it's being portrayed yeah i mean i think that's definitely like one thing that we get is like i think the black and white aspect of it doesn't allow you to connect with the characters as you would through mm-hmm. like a color. And yeah. so you're like, everything is so heightened because you're like almost like you're quote unquote on guard with these characters. Cause you're like, I can't fully get in with you <laughs> because I feel yeah. like all the other things are being pointed out very obviously because of the black and white. So yeah, yeah. I totally agree. Yeah. And oh, like I was watching the old Nosferatu the other day mm-hmm. and it's in black and white and I was watching it through Joe Bob Briggs. So there was a lot of like information in between the scenes. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, tell me what, what's about the filming and stuff. Right. And it was part of it was filmed in Slovakia. And oh. the way it was shot in black and white, it was just looked so like barren and craggy. And mm-hmm. so I was looking up Slovakia because I was like, I wonder what it really looks like. Because it looks like that's not pretty landscape, but it's a mountain, so it should be pretty landscape. Right. And there was one particular shot from the movie that is on the tourism board site, and it is <laughs> like gorgeous. But in the movie, mm-hmm. it just looked like ugh, barren grossness. <laughs> yeah, I think yeah, I think black and white tends to have that effect because it just drowns everything out. You're not seeing the little nuances. Yeah, of and there's so much contrast and. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I still loved it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, I have so many notes because Criterion Collection. I probably mm-hmm. watched about two and a half hours with those special features and Whoa. there was probably at least that much more oh my gosh <laughs> <laughs> and at a certain point i was like uh this isn't giving me enough information i'm just not because <laughs> i i just got uh burnt out from special features <laughs> that's criterion for you <laughs> i was about to say they're giving you literally every detail you need yeah <laughs> so you know it's funny to think about this is 1886 and i believe jane austen died she died in 1817 so this is like 70 years after so i would say i mean still like within a lifetime you know 70 years after. so Mm -hmm. it's just crazy to think of how everything changed or not everything but anyway it's just it was like rapid (laughs) rapidly changing after a certain point in that century yeah and this is probably the closest david lynch will ever get to directing jane austen (laughs) (laughs) yeah so i guess we'll just have to take it (laughs) (laughs) okay yeah i already mentioned this okay so there was also in just the booklet there was like a big interview with david lynch specifically about the elephant man Mm -hmm. so Okay, after he did Eraserhead, David Lynch met with a man named Stuart Kornfeld, who Mm -hmm. was the executive producer for this movie. And they, you know, they're just discussing what the next moves for David Lynch could be. And 
So he was telling him the kinds of projects that he had that he that, you know, maybe David Lynch would be interested in. Mm-hmm. And Elephant Man was one of them. I think it might have been the first one he said. And mm. David Lynch was like, it really lit my fire. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't even really know anything about him, but it was something that he really wanted to do. And Kornfeld was working had just started working for Mel Brooks, who had just started his own new production company. Cool. So when Mel Brooks came on board, I I just realized I never said the cast, but we'll do that in a second. Um, (laughs) It's fine. Yeah. Uh, So Mel Brooks came on board, or he wanted David Lynch to come on board. That's what I mean. And David, or Lynch was super nervous, and he was convinced that this would be the end of his dream to direct <laughs> Elephant Man, which Elephant Man, Eraserhead, I keep wanting to say Eraserhead instead of Elephant Man. Mm-hmm. I, mean, <laughs> I mean, they're both black and white. They're both about like some sort of disfigured something. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So he screened it for him and he couldn't really read Mel Brooks's expression, but at the end of the screening, he came over to him and embraced him and said you're a madman i love you you're in (laughs) (laughs) that's funny so of course david was terrified of the responsibility of getting it filmed and made in good time because you know a razor it took five years so (laughs) right he also you know i don't think he directly did the casting i think that was kind of like more the corn fit mm-hmm but, I mean, he's got an amazing cast. <laughs> I was about to say, this is like a stacked heavy hitter cast. Totally. I mean, he really looked out. But, yeah, but he was like having this imposter syndrome. Like, I'm just this kid from Montana, and now I'm directing Sir John Gilgood. <laughs> right. <laughs> and he said that Gilgood was like a saint to him. Aww. So he loved working with him. Gilgood wasn't actually you know, on the set for very long because it's not that big of a role, really. Or, you know, not so big that he couldn't do most of it. Right. <laughs> in a short time period. Okay. I don't know what else to add. Oh, I've got so much. I'm like, <laughs> cut it off. Okay. Also, oh, here's the one of the stories. Okay. So David Lynch wanted to do the makeup himself mm-hmm. because, you know, that's kind of his thing. <laughs> yeah, he likes it. And he spent several months on it, and he made it. He had John Hurt come over to try it on, and he said it was like a rock. He couldn't move in it at all. And John Hurt very nicely told David that it was a valiant effort. But (laughs) uh, David Lynch said that he actually kind of, like, that was the darkest time period for him. Like, he went into Mm. a depression, and he said he would have nightmares, and then wake up and wish that he was back in the nightmare because it was worse being awake (laughs) oh god but everyone else was kind of like it's fine you should be doing this anyway right (laughs) we have special people for this so mel brooks hired christopher tucker chris Mm -hmm. tucker (laughs) (laughs) i was about to say (laughs) not that chris tucker (laughs) so tucker when he met with Lynch was like, he kind of put him in his place for assuming that he could do something like that. (laughs) And which David Lynch was like, rightly put me in my place. (laughs) (laughs) And he ended up making the prosthetics from an actual cast made of John Merrick's face and body. And it was kept in the Royal London hospital museum. And it was actually the first time that the cast was allowed to leave the hospital. Oh, wow. And, okay, I think this is the last thing I'll say from this section is that despite all of his nerves and trepidation, David Lynch managed to keep chugging along and going and doing a great job ultimately because he just fell in love with John Merrick and he said that he was such a strange, wonderful, innocent guy. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) that's so sweet. Yeah. And let me, before we start as well, just say the cast it's not very long frederick treves anthony hopkins ah the best i know john merrick was played by john hurt who i mostly know from doctor who honestly (laughs) he's only in it a little but i would never ever have realized that it was him i don't think you can (laughs) because the prosthetics are so yeah 
like much. Yeah. I have a lot more about the makeup and like the real John Merrick for the next episode. Ooh, can't wait to hear that. Mrs. Kendall, who was like a bright shining star of delight when she <laughs> entered, was played by Anne Bancroft. <laughs> Legend. <laughs> Car Gom. He's got the weirdest name. Mm-hmm. John Gilgood. Mm. Nurse Mother's Head was played by Wendy Hiller. Bites, who I guess is the carnival owner, I think. Uh. Freddie Jones. <laughs> <laughs> The Night Porter, Boo as well, Whoa. was Michael Elphick. I mean, not Boo, bad actor. Boo, bad boo, human. the character. <laughs> <laughs> Mrs. Treves, another bright shining light, was Hannah Gordon. <laughs> Princess Alex was Helen Ryan. Fox was John Standing. I'm not sure who Fox is. That the is that kid? I think that's Bites Boy, Dexter oh. Fletcher. I'm not hmm. sure, Fox. It's not coming to mind, but... No, but I bet it's in my notes. And Nora, who I think is the um, younger nurse, is mm-hmm. Leslie Dunlop. Oh, okay. And I do want to actually also mention, because I was noticing it like crazy, the mm-hmm. sound design was done by Alan Splett and David Lynch, who they worked on a racer head together. I'm pretty sure <laughs> they do everything together. Since then. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah. I mean... Oh, you too. <laughs> <laughs> let's get into the recap. Yeah. Yes, let's do it. All right. So we open on a pair of eyes. And the camera starts to slowly move down. And we see it's actually a picture of a woman. And then we see shots of elephants walking as the woman's face is sort of like superimposed over them. Uh And then all of a sudden things tense up. The elephants kind of seem a little more frantic, a little more aggressive. And they are like swinging their trunks at the woman and they hit her and she falls over and she's screaming, but no sound is coming out. And then it kind of just fades out. Yeah. I don't, I, after I saw this, I was like, this is a David Lynch movie. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I swear half of my notes, at least for the first like 30 minutes, were like, this is so Lynch. This is so Lynch. Oh my exactly. God. How Lynch can this be? <laughs> it was like, oh, okay. I really, I don't know why I was expecting it to be less Lynchian, but you could never mistake it for another director if you know right. David Lynch. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Yeah, Ugh. the sound design is so. Mm-hmm. I mean, could this could be a scene in a racer head, honestly? <laughs> yeah, especially because like the beginning is like all about like mothers and babies, and it's just yeah. like probably felt like home to him that part. That yeah. part. <laughs> and then next we see smoke filling a room, and then we hear a baby crying in the background. Then it fades out, and then we kind of go to a scene of fire erupting from a box and there's carnival music around and it immediately brought me back to Carnival of Souls. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. And I was getting very Freaks vibes. It's been a while since I've seen that mm, movie too. I haven't seen that. Yeah, it's also like an old black and white movie mm-hmm. about carnival freaks, right. quote unquote. And I think they all band together to kill someone in that movie. <laughs> <laughs> a bad person. <laughs> I was about to say, probably for a good reason. <laughs> I can't really remember that movie, so you don't, can only be exploited for so long. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but then we see a young Anthony Hopkins, <laughs> which is like every time I saw him, I was like, I, I like rec- obviously recognized him, but then I was like, is that Anthony Hopkins? Because I've only <laughs> I've only ever seen the first thing I ever saw him in was um, Silence of the Lambs. Yeah. And- you know, he's always, he's like one of those like people who's kind of always been a little older for me. Yeah, <laughs> so, definitely. So I was like, oh my gosh, he looks so young. Yeah. Um, but he's moving through the crowd and then we see there's. It's very section... the Nick that that's. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and we see a section labeled freaks. And so he heads towards that. There's. Oh, oh, oh. sorry. <laughs> no, you're fine. Did we already see the surgery? I thought no, that he after. was in the surgery. Okay. That's after. There's like a, a glittery curtain, but then it, over it, it says no entry. 
but he kind of just goes in anyways. <laughs> and then there's like different sort of performers when he, right when he gets in and there's people watching and he moves through. I was going to say also, sorry, no, you're fine, <laughs> when you're fine. he's walking through the streets to get there. Mm-hmm. Also, so a racer head like with the industrial. Oh, yeah. It was and like all the it, steam. I was like, David Lynch is in heaven. This is his. Yes. <laughs> no, you. <laughs> Definitely. As long as there's enough steam as if there was a steam powered train there. He yeah. is so happy. <laughs> I'm surprised he didn't do more stuff set in the industrial revolution. <laughs> I know. <laughs> he moves through various people and then he moves past a woman crying and comes across two men arguing about a member of the freak show, quote unquote, who shouldn't be on display Mm -hmm. um, because it's freaking people out. Yeah. And so he's kind of redirected away from that booth and you can see like a little picture of an elephant on the front, but he's very clearly interested. He's gonna, he's got his mind stuck on that. It's also very like, it feels very tensionful. Like Mm -hmm. the beginning part is very like a monster movie. I think even more so in like the next couple of scenes. Yeah. There are like these select scenes that are like very, like almost, I call them like frantic scenes because there's like, there's so much going on and people are loud and there's like a lot of movement and you kind of like have to really focus to see what's going on. Yeah. That was it's kind of filmed like a horror. I mean, obviously Lynch, but it's Mm -hmm. definitely kind of filmed like a horror movie when he's like going in to see. Mm -hmm. Well, I guess we haven't quite gotten there yet. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, well, even like the anticipation of seeing John yeah. Merrick, you're like, it keeps like delay, delay. You're like, oh, where is he? Yeah. Uh, okay. And then in, uh, next, we see him working on a burn patient with a couple like oh. other people. I It almost looks like one of those rooms where it's like a, a viewing room for surgeries. Uh-huh. There's a bunch of people watching, a bunch of people helping that's him. That's the one, that's the Nick. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> and then I wrote old time surgery looks like a horror show and would I rather just die because it seems awful <laughs> the yeah. fact that they have to like wrap rope around their legs to restrain them and ugh, yeah. just seemed horrible yeah I was like and plus like so this whole opening scene is so like I don't know I was just like you know you can really count on the, the Brits to get uh authentic old timey down Oh, yeah. (laughs) They just kind of fit. They've got it it all stored in museums. They're like, sure. (laughs) Take it. (laughs) You want Uh, Industrial Revolution in 1886? (laughs) We've got that in storage. Right. (laughs) Uh, We see a young boy enter the room and that he says that he's found it. Mm. And clearly, Dr. Frederick sent him looking for something. And so after the surgery, he leaves the hospital and heads towards whatever the boy had found. <laughs> and then after one of the scenes where he's kind of like walking through the town, I don't know if you saw it, but I wrote cute fat dog exclamation exclamation because <laughs> there was this like really stout dog that was like fat and kind of waddling down the street. I didn't notice it. <laughs> it was so cute. I was like, ah, so cute. Okay. But he enters a building and walks towards the tarp labeled, uh, labeled Elephant Man. And he talks with the owner. I didn't know if he was the owner of the freak show or if he technically was trying to say that he owned John Merrick. I think but, both. <laughs> um, okay. So uh, he talks with the owner of the freak show and ends up bribing him to get a look at the elephant man. Yeah. It's so, very icky. Cause they're like referring uh, to him as it the whole yeah. time. And yeah. it's like, ugh. The lack and this of is where it's very like monster movie like oh yeah go see the creature down this hall <laughs> yeah and you can like hear the shower running and you're like it's just very in a way like voyeuristic and like we're creeping behind the scenes yeah do you get some oh I, I was just gonna have we gotten to the reveal yet Mm-mm. okay <laughs> uh, but almost there but the owners lead him back the owner excuse me and then starts his like spiel that he has about the elephant man and then this is where we also find out that the woman in the beginning was his mother yeah but that they pull the curtain back and the elephant man is revealed (laughs) and it's like almost like it's not a full view a full shot of him it's almost like a weird partial shadowy view but you kind of get like the outline of it and you're like oh 
Yeah. I might say this again tomorrow in our next episode (laughs) in the notes because I know I have it in there. But Mm -hmm. they intentionally, well, David Lynch originally just wanted to show him from the beginning. But Uh everybody else was like, no, you need to hold that back. You need to hold that Mm -hmm. back. (laughs) (laughs) Build that suspense up. (laughs) Yeah, it really worked. I was going to say, though, like when they, the music right there and like the close up on Anthony Hopkins face, it feels Mm -hmm. like. Even like modern day Lynch, like he still yeah. would use that exact same <laughs> shot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I picture like Laura Palmer's face. <laughs> Definitely. Like Laura screaming. Like I feel like yeah. that has been used a lot by mm-hmm. him. But upon seeing him, Dr. Frederick is very shocked and he starts to tear up. And I wrote, This is so sad, that poor man. I know. And then we, we then find out that uh, Frederick has essentially paid the owner to let him take. The elephant man from him yes and so at the hospital we see a man walk in with the elephant man but the elephant man is cloaked he has like a, a what would you call it like a not a bag like a bag i guess like a cloth yeah, bag almost like it's definitely like a, a sheet yeah it's he's like wrapped a up basically full kind of a burlap bag with like just an eye slit mm-hmm. and he's got a big black cloak covering the rest of his body right but we find out that that's a cab driver who drove him there and Frederick pays him. And then he es- escorts the elephant man back with him. And then they go back to his office. He tries asking him a few questions, but he doesn't really get much response. You could hear a lot of like really heavy breathing. And we find out he has bronchitis. Oh, it's even more sad. I was like, how is know, it going to get heart, more sad? I haven't even met him yet. And I'm like, my heart is breaking for you. <laughs> <laughs> But then one of his coworkers, Rudy. Yeah, his breathing is actually louder than yeah. Anthony Hopkins' dialogue. Yeah. 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 I mean, clearly he's had this forever. Yeah. This was sad. But then uh, one of his coworkers, Rudy, barges in. I mean, he's he does that thing which is like so annoying to me where you're like knocking, but you're already opening the door. And I'm like, uh-huh. just don't do that. <laughs> but he finds him with the elephant man cloaked still and Frederick tells him to keep quiet about it, that it's going to be part of a quote unquote presentation tomorrow. And then he re-enters the room and finds him in a different spot than when he left. And then he kind of doesn't really respond. And he says that he just wants to examine him now. So that I guess he'd be prepared for tomorrow. <sighs> so sad. <laughs> I'm not going to cry during this podcast. <laughs> I wouldn't blame you. <laughs> it's just so sad because like, you know, later on that that scene, he's not responding at all because he's afraid. Right. Of he's terrified. What, you know, it doesn't matter what you say, you could get beaten for anything. Right. I mean, clearly he's been, his life has been so full of like violence and like uncertainty that he's like just terrified of everything. Yeah. So uh, next we go to, it almost looks like a college classroom where Frederick is presenting the elephant man, who we now know as John Merrick. And (laughs) I wrote that his description of him is very rude um, because (laughs) he's just basically like, when he's presenting and he's like, yeah, he's horrible to look at. His skin is awful. He's got all these horrible things all over him. Um, It's just like the way he described it. I was like, not very scientific. It's very neat. Yeah. And, he's like, <laughs> and his genitals are fine. <laughs> I'm like, right. Um, not necessary. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I wrote, we found out that he has tumors covering 90% of his body, some skin issues, some limb issues, but no genital issues for whatever reason. I was like, his, le- okay. his left arm is also fine. Yeah. Yeah. That, like, I guess the guy who came in in the last scene, or maybe, mm-hmm. I don't know. No, maybe it's this scene. He's, he says, like, he's a perverted and degraded specimen. Like mm-hmm. he's not calling him perverted and degraded. He's just saying that, you know, his affliction his... or mm-hmm. whatever, but it's just such, it's so harsh. Like the whole yeah. scene is so like, what's well, like, I mean, yeah, he might as well be at the freak show exactly. because you're using such harsh language and you're kind of displaying him for everyone to be like, Ooh, what is this? What is this? And it's just so like, Ugh. at least there's no one screaming in his face with fear. <laughs> right. And no one beating him with a stick. <laughs> yeah. Ugh. But then we see that John uh, Merrick is leaving via carriage from the hospital and his Frederick and his coworker are discussing his mental state. If he has a mental state and Frederick kind of like, I understand when he says like, 
I hope he doesn't because it's like this like I hope he doesn't realize how horrible his life has been but it's like I think he realizes how horrible yeah. his life has been, even if he didn't realize that he was different or something. Yeah, I said, well, I guess I'm excited to see Anthony Hopkins' growth in this movie. Right. <laughs> and all of ours. Mm-hmm. But we see that he is going back to the freak show. Um, and we see the freak show owner and <laughs> I wrote his assistant question mark. I was like, who is this little boy? I know. Um, I was really scared of that little boy at first. And then I was like, oh no, he's not a bad boy. <laughs> no, he's, he's just, you know, with this horrible man, but they're cooking and. No wonder owner... he has chronic bronchitis. They live in like the sewer. It's like right. actively dripping. It's so disgusting. Ugh. Yeah. And if we know anything from Victoria and, london especially they were not very sanitary Mm-mm. so oh terrible but they're they're cooking well the little boy is cooking and of course the owner is drinking and he's mad that john has been gone all day and starts to beat him with a stick which is very sad i said I stop like, that bad man <laughs> I, know, I was like i want him dead oh, thank god for oh. that little kid <laughs> i know the little boy runs the next morning almost so it seems like to go get Frederick to check on John because he is not doing well at all. He's doing worse. Frederick says he needs to go to the hospital, but the owner says that he can't because he's my livelihood. And I wrote, that's disgusting. And then Frederick lets him know, well, if he dies, you're going to lose him anyways. So what's the risk? (laughs) It's horrible. (laughs) But back at the hospital, Frederick is helping John up the stairs he takes him to the isolation ward. He can barely even get up the stairs because his breathing is so hard. <laughs> yes, his bronchitis is worse. He's been beat with a stick. I'm sure he's like in so much pain. Uh, but he's taken up to a room where he's able to kind of like get settled more. And then Frederick goes to the kitchen to get him some. <laughs> I couldn't tell if it was soup or if it was like gruel. I couldn't tell what it was. It's some food. <laughs> right. <laughs> some sort of mush. But as he's trying to bring it back up, he's interrupted by the house governor, which is just saying... John Gilgood! A house governor is just fancy talk for hospital owner slash I'm in charge of the hospital. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But the house governor asks a nurse to take up the food instead and takes Frederick into his office. And he tells him that this hospital does not take in incurables. And I was like, oh, hey, hey, I was like, dude, worse. it's been 10 minutes. Give him a chance right. <laughs> before he starts writing letters. <laughs> I was like, can we like examine him like more first? <laughs> also, did you not see the lecture or hear about it? I'm sure it was pretty right. memorable. <laughs> uh, it's the worst. The sound design is like, I don't even know what exactly it was doing at that point. But I said, the sound design is killing me. <laughs> mm hmm. Maybe it's, it's just so Lynchian. I don't know. <laughs> it's amplifying the mood. It's just like, oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> Always. <laughs> but the nurse enters the room and she sees John's face because he's completely uncloaked. And this is kind of when we get our first like full light, full view of him. Yeah. And she starts to scream. And <gasps> that made me very mad because <laughs> I was like, first of all, you work in a hospital. This is not like, it's not like you work in like, I don't know, like with people well, who are just a have a cold Victorian. and honestly <laughs> i guess she should have been warned but still get it together woman <laughs> right i like i was like i'm assuming there's been some sort of war as long as you've worked at this hospital at least one where you've seen people without limbs or people right. completely messed up so right. why are you screaming yeah. so rude uh, but frederick after he hears the scream goes up tells the nurse to go get the head nurse, I think, is... I couldn't tell what he said, but I think it's the head nurse. Yeah. And then apologizes to John for the whole ordeal, which he definitely should have. This is the point where I said, giant open flames in the hospital just seems like a recipe for disaster. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't know any better. I mean, weren't they doing surgery without gloves, without masks, without <laughs> hair covers? And <laughs> I'm just thinking, like... They may have been using some sort of ethanol or something to like, you know, knock people out. I don't know if they mm-hmm. had already had it at this point, but like that and open flames, <laughs> just like, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. <bad. laughs> oh, hindsight. <laughs> but they're doing a really good job of like building tension during this whole part. Oh, yeah. This 
this whole next scene really gave me the creeps. I was like, what is happening? Because <laughs> um, we kind of see that the day staff is leaving and like they're lowering the flame. So it's like really dim, really kind of almost dark. There's hardly anyone there. And we see John's in his bed and he has his head kind of craned down. I think that's how he sleeps, they said. Uh-huh. Um, which is probably because of the bronchitis. Well, I might say this again too, but his because his head was so heavy, if he leaned oh. it back, it would... You know, make it so he couldn't breathe, and also I think it could oh. like break his neck. I'm not sure. Oh, that's terrible. <laughs> they probably said it. I just missed it, but yeah. um, he's asleep, and I, the okay. I was just gonna say I heard it on a special feature, so they might uh, you know okay, passingly mention it, but like I, it was from a special feature. <laughs> mm. Okay, well at least we know. And then the clock bells start ringing. Um, I'm assuming it's like midnight. And that kind of startles him awake. And we see him looking at a picture of his mother, which is the same picture from the beginning. Uh-huh. And then we see a man who's kind of like, I, I said sneakily, but he wasn't even really being that sneaky. He was just kind of walking plainly to the hospital. I think he's like a security guard. Oh, oh okay. That makes sense. Okay. Yeah. I couldn't tell because no one ever acknowledged him. And he kind of was like, sort of looking around but just kind of walking plainly <laughs> so i was yeah. like okay <laughs> um but he made we see him making his way up to the isolation ward and we see him enter john's room and we can see john is a little bit scared of him because he's like who are you i said get out of here i don't right. feel good <laughs> <laughs> and i just wrote what is he up to this evil person i just know he's evil <laughs> the next morning we see two women fighting in the waiting room oh well, he did he was he did something though didn't he or is he just being menacing i think he was being menacing and kind of like just because i said he needed to be fired immediately and maybe put in jail so (laughs) (laughs) yeah he said some probably like menacing words and very like foreboding stuff about him making him money or something oh yeah yeah he is horrible very scary the next morning this is another one of those frantic scenes where it's like what's going on this is such a uh, lynch scene too. I was yes. like, <laughs> <laughs> we see two women fighting in the waiting room. They have like, I'm assuming, I don't know if it's blood, but they have like this dark liquid all over their faces and they're yeah, looking they at each like other's they've clothes. Been clawing each other's faces off. <laughs> right. And people are like holding them back. And it's just like almost like a giant mob trying to hold both of them back. It's very scary. And they just pass it. Like it's, Oh, this is just a normal part of life. Right. <laughs> 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 Another Tuesday. <laughs> they never explain it. Why are these people trying to, these women trying right. to kill each other? <laughs> right. We just, I guess we're just supposed to be like, uh, this is crazy time. <laughs> Everyone <laughs> is losing their mind. Yeah. But very Lynch to have something like that happening as you're walking through a scene and be like, mm-hmm. oh, just setting some stage for the, right. the world around you. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, in John's room, we're, we see that he's starting to speak more and more. He's starting to say more complex words, kind of find out that Frederick is sort of preparing him to meet Mr. Cargom. And basically he's teaching him some very like introductory phrases and stuff just to kind of, it's almost like he's setting it up where he's like, you know, you don't know if he's repeating the words back to him or if he actually like understands the words. Right. But let's see. And you could see, what's his name? Let me look it up. What's his name? Bites. Right. Bites coming in the circus. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. You see him like walk in as the two women are fighting in the, the waiting room, and he's just like, uh, "Okay, I'm just gonna go upstairs." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he kind of uses it to his advantage, like he could just sneak in while all the right. hubbub is going on. Right. I mean, there's no one at the reception desk. Right. Uh, but kind of find out that at this point, Frederick is introducing John to Mister Cargom because he kind of wants to meet him, and I felt like John handled it very well. He spoke to him very clearly. Yeah. I was like, thank God polite. they're communicating. <laughs> I know. <laughs> but Mr. Cargon was not convinced. He seems to be under the impression that John is only repeating words that he was taught. But as he leaves, we kind of hear John like loudly reciting some verses from the Bible. Mm. And then Frederick calls him back and it's like, hey, I didn't teach him this part. So clearly he knows this stuff on his own. And so they go back into the room and talk to him about it. And we find out that he used to read the Bible every day, which is proving Mr. Cargom wrong. He can <laughs> speak fine and read fine. I, my 
for some reason my notes seem very out of order. So, uh, I, oh. but um, <laughs> did they already have the confrontation with bites yeah. in the stairwell? Because I think it was after this part. Okay, it seems right, but that. I wrote it first, so I don't know. I don't know why I don't have that. I must have deleted it by accident. And then the old nurse lady is very rude. Miss Mother's Bob. Oh, yeah. She's like, she's like, (laughs) she kind of masks it by saying, I'm just going to be up front with you. And I'm like, okay, you're just going to be me. Yeah. (laughs) yeah. I was like, I hate everyone. I hate them. (laughs) It's like, if you're in that time, do not end up in a hospital because you'll barely be taken care of. Yeah. But when Bites comes up, him and yes. Anthony Hopkins are on the stairs and I um, just really wanted Anthony Hopkins to push him down the stairs. I thought we were going to get that. <laughs> I was like, ooh, are we going to get it? I know. I, I, th- I wrote, you don't get to own another human being. And then I think that's mm-hmm. exactly what he said as soon as I wrote it down. I was like, thank you. Exactly. Yeah. Because Bites <laughs> is like, yeah, he's mine. Like, give him back. I want him back now. And yeah. basically you can't own a human being. And then Mr. Cargom comes out and is like, because yes. Bites is like, well, I'm going to go to police. And he was like, Go ahead. Let's see whose version they like more. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then he says, singularly unattractive character, I must say. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the polite British version of saying, what a piece oh, of yeah. shit. And then he's like, and by the way, well, I'm going to be meeting your new charge tomorrow. Right, right, right. Yeah, this yeah. was at the beginning. of. Okay. I don't know why I didn't have it. I don't know what happened. It's okay. He was asking um, yeah. when he did meet him, like, is this bronchitis cured yet? I'm like, again, only a day. Your sense of time right. is way <laughs> off. Buddy. I know medicine is still pretty early, but co on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is also where I said, I'm going to be a mess watching this movie. I can't mm-hmm. take it. <laughs> uh, it's just, we need some tender love and care given to him. I know. When he's like, I was afraid to talk. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, oh. No. <laughs> Being afraid to talk, that's the worst punishment of all. <laughs> uh, um, but after all of this has happened, they go back to Cargom's office and then they finally have a little bit of humanity around him and they discuss John and how horrible his past life must have been because other people mistreated him and finally giving him some sympathy. Yeah. Uh, but then the next scene we kind of go to, it looks like a backstage of a theater. I thought this is where Jack Nance should show up. If he was I know. <laughs> I was like, please. Um, we see an actress reading about John in the newspaper. And then she, after she finishes the article about him, she says that she'd really like to meet him. Um, and then we go to a bar where we see. I love her. <laughs> I know. She's so sweet. And then uh, at the bar, we see. Oh, the... no, this is the part where I thought Jack next to show up. Oh, yeah. There's yeah. this like drunken singing. singers. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was like, that's also, I was like, drunk singing old men, very David Lynch. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but we see the security guard guy uh, who security snuck up to John. Thank you. Right. <laughs> uh, he enters with the same newspaper and he reads the article about John. Um, I guess it's a letter that Cargom wrote. That one that you talked about. Uh-huh. And that he's jokes that he's got them all tickets to go see him. But, you know, obviously it's a lie because it seems like he plans on kidnapping John and using him for his own nefarious reasons. I think his name, it doesn't say it in the, the uh, cast list, but okay. I think in that scene they call him Sunny Jim, which oh. is also a very David Lynch name. I think yes. there is a Sunny Jim <laughs> in Twin Peaks season three. <laughs> Sunny Jim. I might just re- reference him like that in the next part. <laughs> yeah. It's hard to say who is the worst in this movie, honestly. There's so many <sighs> people vying for the absolute worst of humanity. <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna just based on um this scene and the next scene where he and uh Sunny Jim brings this woman up at night to John's room and basically scares her by being like, look at this guy. Um, mm-hmm. And she runs away screaming. Um, I'm going to say Sonny Jim is the worst because he doesn't need, like, I guess you could argue that like the Carney guy, like he was doing what he was doing clearly just to, to survive in a way where Sonny Jim sort of has a job. And yeah, I mean, it's no one. It's hard was, to say. They're both <laughs> yeah. pretty shitty. <laughs> I mean, they're both like literally level 100 terrible, but yeah. <laughs> They're like, um, 
Frank from Blue Velvet yeah. level horrible. They're Bob like, level horrible. <laughs> yeah, they're most evil men out there. Yeah. But that's where I stopped after he oh, okay. brings this woman because it's about an hour. Perfect, perfect. I will move my halfway mark because I couldn't tell whether it was like that scene or the next scene. Let's see. It seemed like the next scene was kind of going to be a little bit longer. And I was like, there's only technically like four minutes left. So I'll just kind of cut it off here. So we got like 10 minutes. Should we try to sort someone? Sure. Hmm. It's hard because they're real life people. So it feels weird to sort real life people. <laughs> uh. <laughs> maybe we could, we're sorting the interpretation of these people. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe I would say since we don't know much about John just yet, like personally, maybe yeah. we do Frederick. Treves. Yes. Okay. Is that okay? Yeah, definitely. Okay. (laughs) Let's see. I would say normally I would think of a doctor as someone who could like divorce themselves from their Mm -hmm. emotions, but he actually seems to be pretty good at, you know, and getting in touch with his feelings. So actually, and he's so like quiet. Mm -hmm. He's very like an important doctor <laughs> right right yeah he's not like a hothead or kind of like full of himself yeah so maybe like a cancer i like that i always want to say people in the medical profession are cancers <laughs> i don't know why or it could be like a virgo too because you know technically virgo is the house of health but mm-hmm. and virgo is more like a I don't know. I feel like maybe more of a cancer because he definitely seems to have more of that emotional center than Mm -hmm. maybe a Virgo would seem like they have. (laughs) Yeah, I like the cancer aspect. I like the the storyline of him like trying to help John kind of come out of his quote unquote shell. And it's also maybe helping Frederick come out of his shell a little bit because he seems so reserved. Yeah, that's a great. I like it. Okay. Um... Uh, I... Jane Austen or no D and D? Yeah, uh, I'm like, what order do we? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, I think it's lawful good, right? Yeah, yeah. He seems kind of even when he's not good. I feel like he's always trying to be a better yes. person. You know, <laughs> the intentions, the intentions are there. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Jane Austen. Uh, I feel like he probably actually read Jane Austen. <laughs> probably. I feel like he's one of those like me secret mansfield park lovers and like Mm -hmm. really connects with fanny's plight and oh yeah likes the kind of drama of that one a little bit (laughs) yeah i think he really connects to that storyline of othered people like people are just very kind of i don't know othered by the the quote-unquote society (laughs) yes exactly yeah so yeah that's a good one mansfield park which when we get to the new year, we're definitely gonna do that movie. I, I know we're We've doing only it done in January. One. First thing, <laughs> I'm so excited. I want to do that movie so bad. I've been holding off because there's just not that much Mansfield Park out there. Anyway, <laughs> yes, I'm excited. Okay, tarot cards. Oh, it's a hard mm. one. There's not a doctor card. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, is there like some sort of medicine man, <laughs> something? Let's go with cups and hmm. Mm-hmm. what is six of cups let me look them up <laughs> we always have to look them up someday we'll remember i know <laughs> so i haven't bad. done a real tarot reading in a while so that's probably why okay six of cups can often show an increased level of harmony and cooperation in your relationships you are ready to give and receive without expectation and i feel like that's kind of him yeah in a way my description for the upright says revisiting the past childhood Mm. memories innocence and joy and then reversed it's living in the past forgiveness and lacking playfulness which i feel like he could kind of live in between you know and also he's working with john who is very much you know childhood memories or not you know, but like it's the, the loss of innocence or having yeah, innocence and the nostalgic feeling of like this innocent creature, yeah. innocent person, like a child almost because they've been stunted in their growth because of society's awfulness. Yeah. 
So six of cups for true. Six of cups. <laughs> perfect. All right. Perfect. Well, that was fun. I mean, it was. It was definitely fun to talk about it. Re- watching it was very good and enjoyable and cathartic, but mm-hmm. I wouldn't say fun. <laughs> <laughs> it's very. It can be very taxing because it's a very emotional movie. It's a very emotional story. Yeah, sometimes super emotional movies just like if if you click me past the certain crying like Mm -hmm. it's like i can't stop it (laughs) which is why i don't particularly love super sad movies Mm. i had to leave the theater during horse whisper you know people have to leave for certain (laughs) reasons i had to leave because i was crying so hard and that's not even that great of a movie (laughs) (laughs) that's got a horse in it (laughs) scarlett johansson man Uh, okay. Uh, well, yeah. I'm excited to talk about the rest of this tomorrow. I mean, next Me week. too. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Tomorrow for us, next week for you. <laughs> yep. And it's a good kickoff to gratitude season, you know? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, I'm excited. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, goodbye. <laughs> Bye. If you would like to get in touch with us, you can email us at mannersandmadness at gmail.com. You can DM us on Twitter at mannersmadness or on Instagram at mannersandmadnesspod. Or you can leave a one-minute voicemail on our website at mannersandmadness.com. And if you would like to support the show, you can leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or whatever podcast app you prefer. We also have a donate button on our website, mannersandmadness.com. Yes. Thank you so much for listening and we will see you next week. Good night. Bye. Bye.